This is the Eric Francis Show, brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. There it is. Two unlimited. Just two let, it, let it play. Let it play. Yeah, you're right. Put that up a tad if you could. We'll just fill the hour with the dulcet tunes of Two Unlimited. It's the Eric Francis Show. Thanks for listening. It's Monday. We do this every single week from noon till 1 o'clock. We have two great guests again today, including... Well, I didn't know that he was a huge, he's, I know he's a huge country music fan. Also, a Two Unlimited fan, Wes Gilbertson from Post Media and Flames Talk. But before we get to him, our second guest will be Drew Remenda from Flames, or from the uh, San Jose Sharks. He's their color analyst and one of the sharpest dressed men in the National Hockey League. But first, we go down to the Outlist Pizza guest hotline and we talk to our Two Unlimited expert, Wes Gilbertson. Thank you. That, that, that's probably the best tee up I've ever received. What was this convoluted story you were mumbling about in the in the other room about Two Unlimited? They used to be... Well, I was... So Two Unlimited used to be the warm-up song for the Flames here at the Saddledome. And so... When you were 12? Younger. Eight, yeah, yeah, okay. When I was a younger younger lad. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I was regaling you with my memories of going and people like me who have spent a bunch of time in Invermere will remember Dave's Book Bar. <laughs> So, as a young gaffer, my buddy and I went to Dave's book bar, and we bought the Two Unlimited cassette. And Love the cassette. The only song we knew was the Flames warm-up song, which you just played. We couldn't wait to hear it. And so, you know, we didn't know at this time anything about rap intros, so we popped this cassette in, as you do. Rap hadn't hit, it had not hit Cochrane yet? No, it, no. Not, it had not hit me yet. Okay. So... You pop the cassette in, and the intro is a, a very, uh, a very straight to the point. We're too unlimited. Who the bleep are you? Oh, yeah. That was the last I saw of the cassette for a while, while it was artfully dubbed over by my parents. Oh, hilarious! But that brings us to the Nashville Predators, I think. Who are they? Who are they? My first question: Who is Tommy Novak? Right. <laughs> Tommy Novak. Okay. I ask this because since Christmas, nobody has got more points on the Nashville Predators than Tommy Novak. Okay, we know they're with, without Duchesne, Yossi, Johansson, Forsberg. I didn't see them skate today. I don't know if any of them are possible for tonight. I doubt it. But Tommy Novak has taken this team and put it on his slim shoulders. Some would argue that UC Saros has done that. I would say no. It's, this is Tommy Novak's team. <laughs> I, I won't I, go that far. I, well, I was going to say that's a bold, um, that's a bold take. I, I might give UC Saros some credit. Yeah. Well, would you give him enough credit? I, I saw on the fan feedback line, and we welcome your thoughts, of course, all day at nine sixty nine sixty. I saw someone suggest that UC Saros should be the should be a Hart Trophy nominee. I'm not sure you'd go that far, would you? Do we need two other Hart Trophy nominees this season? <laughs> well, who are the two? Don't say dry saddle. That's what I mean. Like, do we need two others beyond Connor McDavid? No. We have to give five, as a matter Correct. of fact. Correct. So, yeah. Three so, are named finalists. Yeah. And, okay. Before we get into the Flames, let's get into that real quickly. And there's going to be lots of time to talk about trophies. But, yeah, it's McDavid, so we're just rounding out the list as we vote next week. But I, I refuse to put someone from the same team in my top five. Dry saddle is going to be on a lot of people's list. But I, if it's a player adjudicated the most valuable to his team, how could you have two players from the same team on that list is my approach. So Dreisaitl will not be in my top five. 
which seems almost criminal, but by definition, he doesn't belong. Who else you putting in there? I like I don't, I'm kind of stonewalling here, but Kucherov, Kachuk, Pasternak, McKinnon, Marner. I guess all those guys are right in consideration. Yeah, certainly Elias Pettersson in Vancouver. What? Is... They didn't make the playoffs. That's one of my theories as well. You yeah, I, I, and I'm just adding him to your yeah, list. He, sure. You know, he's not in my – he wouldn't be in the top two or, or three for me. I, I think most valuable to his team to me means if you take him off the team, how much trouble they are, are they in. And mm-hmm. so I think you can make – and I haven't had a ton of time to dig in on my ballot yet. I think you could make a case that there are two guys on the Edmonton Oilers that have that sort of value. I, I think if you take – Kale McCarr and or Nathan McKinnon off the Colorado Avalanche, it can have a huge impact. Those guys are both MVP sort of caliber players. And, and yet I know what you mean about it splitting the vote. I think you're not going to see Leon Dreisaitl get a ton of love for that reason. But it's a good question. Like, who does round out your five? It's probably in some order. I think Pasternak. Mm-hmm. He might be my number two. If the, given what if the Florida done. Panthers get in tonight, you have to consider Matthew Kachuk. For sure. Certainly, if the Nashville Predators get in, you might consider UC Soros. Okay. And so, so there's the answer. Yeah, it's Potential. a tough one. Yeah, it is a tough one for me. But see, I don't, Soros doesn't win the best out of me. So I'm not sure why he'd be my leading candidate for the heart. Well, anyway, we're sure. getting into the weeds here. You know. Anyway, let's, let's look at the game tonight. Obviously, the Flames situation is is a uh, it's a pretty straightforward one. I was going to say tricky, but it's pretty straightforward. They lose tonight and the Jets win, it's over. Right. Uh, they play against a San Jose or a Nashville team tonight that they have not beaten yet this year. They've scored two goals against them. They lost 2-1 when we were in uh, Nashville and they lost 4-1 when they were hosting them here. <sighs> Do you see this ending tonight? Cuz I don't. No, I don't think I don't think I I see <coughs> Excuse me. I don't think I see it ending tonight. I expect to see a really strong performance out of the Flames tonight. Mm-hmm. Now, take nothing away from the Nashville Predators, who recently have beaten the Boston Bruins, have beaten the Vegas Golden Knights, have beaten the Carolina Hurricanes. They're not going to be an easy team to beat, but if I look into my crystal ball, I don't think this thing's over tonight. Yeah, and the Jets play San Jose, which, of course, a lot of people are assuming is not a good thing for the Calgary Flames. San Jose... Uh, has beaten the Jets twice already this year. Which That's is their Blackhawks. Yeah, it's interesting to note that. And uh, also Kyle Connor and uh, Nikolai Ehlers did not take morning skate today. Now, that doesn't mean – it might not mean a whole lot, although it may, might mean some. I guess when Rick Bonus was asked about it, he said, don't ask me to tell you which one of those guys is going to be a game-time decision. So maybe there is a little – there's a little smoke there. We'll see if there's any fire. At this point, it's all just grasping at straws for Flames fans to try and squint – hard enough to see a path to the playoffs if it doesn't end tonight you know what's the scariest scenario after that because the Jets and the Nashville Predators both play Minnesota and Colorado tough outs Mm -hmm. in both cases it seems to me if you can get through tonight with the scenario you dream of as a Flames fan suddenly it looks a whole lot different tomorrow and the pressure might actually be on the Jets yeah I I think that's fair although the Flames squandered their opportunity Saturday to really keep the pressure mm-hmm. on the Jets. Now you're going to need a lot of help. But you have to win your last two, and then you're forcing the Winnipeg Jets to get three. Essentially, if you beat Nashville tonight, that's probably pushing them far enough out. But then you're 
forcing the Winnipeg Jets with back-to-back victories if you're the Calgary Flames to get three points out of their last three games. Mm-hmm. And on paper, certainly tonight is the easiest of, of those three with then a tough back-to-back. Who knows exactly who we'd see in the lineup for Minnesota and Colorado by that point. But yeah, you just you have to keep the pressure on. This is not, no one's saying this is an ideal scenario, but you have to keep that foot applied. You have to keep that pressure on if you're the Flames. Yeah, again, and I, I don't want to sound like I'm really stretching this, but if the Flames win tonight and the Jets lose, and again, who knows, then the Jets need three points. The Jets have to basically get three points out of their last four against those two juggernauts. I don't see it happening. I just don't see it happening. Obviously, the Flames still have to win, too, against San Jose. But first things first, tonight against Nashville is going to be a tough task. I was looking it up today. We've talked endlessly in Calgary about how the Flames have lost, I think it's 29 games in one-goal games. 29 is the number, I think. And uh, Nashville is second in the league in winning one-goal games. They love those tight, low-scoring one-goal games. So I'll ask you, if this is a low-scoring game tonight, which I think we all anticipate, does that favor the Nashville Predators? I don't necessarily think it has to mm-hmm. because the Flames the Flames have more talent on their roster in terms of being able to put the puck in the net. Mm-hmm. And so if you're talking about a game that was tied 1-1 after 40 minutes, which would surprise nobody, mm-hmm. you would take the sort of horses you have on one side. Even if there's been a lot of guys who have not played up to their potential this season. I, I think in that scenario, you'd take the horses you have on the flame side. Yeah. But this, I mean, it feels like a coin flip, doesn't it? Both teams are going to be desperate. Both teams lack scoring. Oomph. Mm-hmm. Both teams have goalies who have been playing quite well lately. Like you, these two teams, besides the fact that you haven't heard of anyone on one of them, <laughs> the, there's a lot of similarities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and they're both desperate. So, Absolutely. So you're going to see, I think, a very tight, tight game. Uh, we're talking to Wes Gilbertson from Post Media, and of course, Flames talk uh, rarely, regularly with uh, Pat Steinberg. I want to ask you this: Does any of this, the fact that they've made this interesting over the last three weeks, and I guess what happens over the next three days, four days, is going to be huge as part of this question I'm going to ask you. But does this, does any of this late push mean anything? in terms of what we're probably going to see in the offseason? Well, I think it all depends on what the late push results in. Yeah, sure. If if we're talking about a team that, against all odds, managed to get into the playoffs, then maybe it does change some things. But if we're talking about a team that was expected to be a top contender for a division title and a Stanley Cup, if we're talking about a team that the general manager made it quite clear on the first day of training camp, this isn't about winning the summer. It's about winning the season. Well, if that team misses the playoffs, I I think no matter how they miss the playoffs, it's sort of, you know, the fact that they strung it out to the very end and still missed, I don't know that it would change the the cries for change here. I, I don't know that that would make a difference. Agreed. Agreed. I mean, I think it bodes well that, Say Mackenzie Weger, for example, really got it on track over the last t- couple months and really played the kind of hockey that I think people expected and hoped he would. I think Huberdeau's gotten uh, significantly better as the season goes on. Would you agree with that statement? 
I would agree with the better part. I don't know if I'd go as far as significantly because, yeah. and and I get that his contract extension hasn't kicked in yet, but we're talking about a guy that you've just signed to the largest deal in franchise history. At some point, you can't say significantly better without significantly more production. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so I think he's had more nights where I've I've noticed him a lot in positive ways. He's certainly provided some some crucial goals for this team down the stretch and and yet season long I, I'm not sure his offensive production has taken much of an uptick in the last handful of weeks and and so has he been a better player I think so are there signs that maybe there's some comfort there finally mm-hmm. yeah I think so but you know can you say significantly better for a guy who's picking up an assist here and there, scoring a goal here and there, but is not an offensive leader for this team, mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure you could. Yeah. yeah, I would agree with that. He certainly hasn't lived up to expectations. That's Everyone would agree with that. Yeah. As, as much better as he's been getting, more comfortable. I like that word. I do think he is more comfortable. And with more comfort, I do think you'll see more productivity next year. I, I think most people expect that. Sure. So I think, again, that's another good sign. I think there are some several – there are several good signs moving forward into next year, but not enough to me to change all the different deck chairs that are going to be shuffled around this summer. And, and I had an interesting chat with Mackenzie Weger. I guess it would have been about two weeks ago now, and, and we were chatting about his increased production, but also you know just, just the uptick in his overall play since the All-Star break. And, and he told me, you know what, that's when I finally – came to grips with everything I, I finally said okay you gotta leave the past in the past mm-hmm. you, you gotta feel comfortable in calgary you have to he didn't say be bought in but but you have to have all your focus on calgary and, and i made the point to him that you know it's an interesting thing to say because you can't say it until you're playing better mm-hmm. you can't say when you're not playing great in january ah oh, you know what i'm not quite comfortable here yet and yeah. so the fact that he was at that point that he could sort of make that admission, I think we're going to hear that from Jonathan Huberdeau eventually. But yeah. it might take the off season for him to, A, totally wrap his head around the change and, and wrap his head around how he's expected to be impactful mm-hmm. in Calgary, the different ways that Daryl Sutter especially wants him to impact a game. And then just to take this season and put it behind him. I expect him to be a really determined guy in the offseason. It doesn't even matter what happens from this point forward. Like, I don't know how Jonathan Huberto can't have a really strong offseason with the numbers he put up. I, I think we know how proud he is. Mm-hmm. We know how much... You can't talk to him about anything. You couldn't ask him about winning the Masters pool, which he did, by the yeah. way, in the locker room. Something finally went right. Yeah. You, you couldn't ask him about that without him mentioning that he expects to put up more points. Like, he, he there's not a lack of accountability no. there. No, he's been good. But you're talking about a guy who's good. not going to hit 60 points. He's at 54 today. That's got to burn in the offseason. Oh. The Flames need that to burn for him in the offseason. It is the third largest decline in points in NHL history. Behind Marcel Dion, and I can't remember the other one, but it was a significant player. I want to say it was Charlie Simmer, actually. Uh, but you know what would be interesting to know is what the next season looked like for those two for guys. those two. Like, yeah. well, and and who knows? It could have been end of the career, or I, I don't know exactly injuries. Yeah, I'd have to look. I was yeah. going to look into that, and, that, and that's you know when we don't need to harp on that now. That story is kind of 
old. We've beaten that to death, and it's just something that the team has lived with, and you just sit and wait and hope that he gets more and more comfortable if you're a Flames fan. So uh, let me ask you about Matt Coronado because I'm surprised at how many people uh, are still kind of unfamiliar with his scenario. Uh, there's no, there's zero doubt in my mind that we will not see Matt Coronado if Wednesday game, Wednesday's game means anything standings wise. Agreed. It does. I, I, I'm surprised how many people don't uh, quite understand that he is not, he does not need to play to burn the first year of his contract. As everyone knows in the world of hockey, any guy who comes into the league wants to burn that first year of his contract. Johnny had to do it by playing a game. Other guys have to do it by in different ways. He does. He has a contract that is already will will be burned for one year. Do you want to explain that to people why that is? Or I guess it doesn't even matter the semantics of it. The important thing is that he doesn't need to get into a game. Yeah, I guess a, a couple things. He wants to, of course. He, he'd love to get into and a his game. Agent wants him. And in the scenario that Wednesday's game isn't meaningful, and that scenario would mean a Flames loss tonight and back-to-back victories for the Winnipeg Jets. In that scenario, there, there's no question we'd see Matt Coronado yep. on, on Wednesday. But the two questions that come up the most often, you mentioned the one, like, does he have to play to burn the first year of the contract? And the other one is, can he play for the Wranglers this mm-hmm. season? And that's a no. And so, yeah, teams would love to get guys signed to a deal that kicks in the following year. They can join the team on a tryout agreement, yada, yada, yada. It's not how it works for the top college free agents. That... Mm-hmm is one of the perks of signing at the end of your college season is you come straight to the NHL. You're not eligible to play the rest of the season in the AHL because you weren't on the correct list at the trade deadline. Mm -hmm. And then you burn the first year of the contract. And the appeal of burning the first year of the contract is you become a restricted free agent who's eligible for a a larger contract sooner. You become Mm -hmm. an unrestricted free agent sooner. And so... It's all about starting that clock. With with some lesser-known college free agents, you have the opportunity to get them on a... It's called an ATO. They go to your farm team. They start there. That's what Walker Dewar did, for example. Mm-hmm. In this case, Matt Coronado held the cards. And so the Calgary Flames did what the Montreal Canadiens did with Sean Farrell, what the San Jose Sharks did with Henry Thrun, what go down the list of of top college free agents. This is how you get them in your program. Mm -hmm. This is how you get them signed at the end of the year. Would they love to see Matt Coronado? I think so. But are they going to throw him into a game that all the, the season is potentially resting on? No, they, they can't. No, it's, and it makes sense. It's everybody's excited to see him, but also everyone's excited to put everything, put all the chips uh, into the middle for a chance to still make the playoffs this year. That's obviously the the number one going. I'm not so sure it's 100% that Coronado would play if if the game is a nothing game and in game 82. I think there's still a little drama right now with this coach in terms of that decision. But that's – we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Wouldn't that be a head-scratcher? It would be. It would be be an amazing storyline and and something you just can't discount. I I would like to think that everyone's on the same page, that he – the kid would go in. But – we shall see. Hope, it, hopefully we'll come to that. It's got to be hard, right? We have not seen the Flames sign any college free agents this year. Mm-hmm. We have not seen them sign any of those sort of late-blooming junior players who suddenly become coveted free agents. We, we haven't seen them snag any of those guys. And you have to wonder how much of that is the reputation of the coach not wanting to play young players. 
and the way some of you know Jacob Pelche's situation or even Matthew Phillips' situation has been handled this season. Do you think it also has the fact has to do with the fact that the GM doesn't have a contract next year? I I, I think it has less to do with that personally. Okay. Yeah, I, that's fair. I mean, I haven't I haven't had a chance to really talk to some of the brain trust to find out how close they were on any college free agents. Right. Uh, this is a team right now where their direction is not quite clear. Like, I could easily see a path where next year is a complete rebuild. I could also see a path where this is almost an identical team next year, uh, albeit maybe with some management changes, I, a coaching change. I, I have no idea. There's a lot that we have to discuss over the next several weeks sure. and maybe months. But if you're a college guy and you're not sure what to do and all things being equal, you're going to get the same money no matter where you go. I'm not sure you look at Calgary and have much clarity in terms of how your future is going to look. So I agree with your point there. Well, let me ask you this because I'm always curious to hear your opinion, and this time it won't cost me a rum. <laughs> Do you think the next three days change the offseason in terms of the management and coach? I think if they make the playoffs, it can change It can change some things. Yeah. For sure. Because also, <laughs> I, I don't want to go down this path because it's not like I'm Johnny Optimist, but I, you know, if they do make the playoffs, what if they win a round? That could change a lot of things too, right? Right. So I, I, I yeah. Then suddenly then, it's your best playoff campaign since '04. Yeah, yeah. If you could win more than one round, or if you get at least get a round, it th- there's still so much to be determined over the next three days before you can have even a solid opinion on what direction they might or should go. Right. Um, and so anyway, and we don't want to put the cart before the horse and start talking. No one's writing the autopsy here, although we've skirted around it for the last month. Sure. Because it's 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 obvious that they've been on the on the brink and, and for this long. A scenario I haven't covered often in my career is a game eighty two that really means something. Yeah. And so it's not gonna mean anything for the San Jose Sharks, but if the chips can fall in the right way for game eighty two here at the Saddle Dome on Wednesday to really mean something. That'd be a ton of fun. That'd be great. Yeah. And and I wrote this last week, and we, you and I have talked about it. Like, I, I give these guys credit. You know, we know that that's a very heavy dressing room. There's some turmoil in there, obvious for obvious reasons, and some not so obvious. But the, the bottom line is it's not been a lot of fun to be a Calgary Flame this year, generally speaking. It's certainly not been a lot of fun to be a Calgary Flames fan, I would assume, for most of this season due to the frustration of all of it. But give them credit. Give them credit for making this interesting. You know, this team's record over the last, you know, what, 20 games has been fantastic. And and they really deserve a ton of credit for hanging in there at a time when I think it would have been easy for them to quit. And I don't buy the, the, the people who do think, and there are lots of people in our business who think that these players have quit on this coach. I don't buy that narrative one second. I don't think they like the coach, but I don't think they've quit on him. It's a, it's a really good differentiator. Mm-hmm. I, I I think that there are days when they're certainly sick of hearing the message, but I don't think they've quit on them. And this whole, uh, you know, I, I talk about this with Pat often in the afternoons, this whole idea of losing the room, it, it doesn't really apply to no. this era of hockey. The coach isn't the guy who's in the room every single day. He's not the guy who's giving the speech every game. Like, that... It's not any given Sunday. And so this whole idea of losing the room, yeah. Do I, do I think there's friction between Daryl Sutter and some of the players, especially the stars? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if we'll never get confirmation of that, but it sure sounds that way. Mm-hmm. But this whole idea that they've completely quit on him, 
we're not seeing that on the ice, that's for sure. And I think another thing, you know, I, you often hear uh, some of our colleagues will ask questions after the game, like, hey, what did you say to the players after the game? Or what did you say during the intermission? Or Oftentimes, coaches don't talk to their players after the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, It's very routine for a guy to just say, no, you know what, they know what they did. I'll cool down. They'll cool down. We'll talk about it tomorrow. We'll look at video, blah, blah, blah. Regroup. The coach isn't in the room very often. We never see Daryl Sutter in the dressing room, ever. Yeah, very that rare. doesn't mean he's not in there. Yeah. But, but I, I was talking to someone in the organization who said, my God, like, Daryl goes in there like a minute or two before the game. He'll go in like a minute before the end of every intermission ends. Yeah. And, and, and then you see him on the ice for practice. Other than that, he's not in your face. It's not like you can't stand sitting next to him or being near him. It's, there's not a lot of interaction, but it's a more of a, a mood. It's more of an aura that he's created mm-hmm. uh, around here that is unsettling for some of the players, for sure. It, it's, been a, it's been a huge adjustment, I think, for players who have not played for Daryl Sutter or even for a coach like Daryl Sutter yeah. in the past. It takes some getting used to. And Mackenzie Weger said something very interesting to me last week about that. He said Daryl Sutter, he says about the All-Star game, kind of took his foot off the pedal. And this is, you know, we don't get much insight into what's going on in the room from these guys for obvious reasons. But he said, I really felt like he kind of backed off a little bit from the All-Star game. And it made some of the new guys who weren't really used to him uh, breathe a little easier. Very interesting. And he said that moving forward, he thinks that there's been a bit of a difference in the whole team. But also for him personally, because the coach kind of eased off on a lot of the guys. It's very interesting. So, uh, you know, that's something that we don't get to hear. Uh, very often but and maybe we'll hear more about it in the summer maybe we won't hear anything you're right what value is there for a player to go public with the intertwinings of the dressing room it doesn't serve any purpose and especially in a team run by daryl who likes everything kept behind closed doors yeah so and and we know you know in the past there's been some very very honest exit meetings around here Mm -hmm. I, i think Daryl Sutter respects guys who are going to put it on the table at that stage. Obviously, everyone's hoping that the exit meeting isn't on Friday or Saturday, that it's weeks from now, but that might happen behind the scenes. We're not going to hear about it. No, no. Do you, do you wonder, though, like, could fixing the flames be as simple as bringing back Two Unlimited as the warm-up song? Can we hear that again? Is there any chance we could have a little extra music here? Because that, that is exciting. That's an interesting possibility. Dave's Book Bar. Miss that place. All right. He's Wes Gilbertson. This is the Eric Francis Show. We're going to take a break and uh, come back with Drew Romano to talk about the San Jose Sharks and what chances they may have of beating Winnipeg tonight or uh, giving the Flames a good game on Wednesday. Thanks, Wes, for your time. Appreciate it, my friend. Of course, buddy. Hopefully the next time I see you isn't on a golf course. I never said that before in my life. No, this is new. (laughs) Yeah, this is new. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. All right, he was brought to you uh, by the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar uh, hot, guest hotline, 14-time Consumer Choice Award winner for takeout or delivery. Call 403-248-3344 or dine in at Atlas Pizza, 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. The Eric Francis Show is brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta. The Alberta horse racing and breeding industry has an $83 million positive economic impact in Calgary annually. Visit thehorses.com, 18+. plus. Please play responsibly. We'll take a break. We'll be right back with Drew Remenda. This is the Eric Francis Show, brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, the Eric Francis Show rolls on. It's Monday. We do this every week, 12 o'clock to 1 o'clock, lots of stories. But right now the story 
in this city, of course, is the Calgary Flames and uh, what's going to happen over the next three, four days to them, to the Jets, to Nashville tonight. Uh, puck drop 7.30 tonight, but on Wednesday, there's an 8 o'clock puck drop. And uh, one of the gentlemen in town for that game, is uh, it, it'll be a true honor to have him in our city once again. He's not only uh, one of the nicer guys in the league, but he's also uh, one of the best-dressed lads in the industry. Drew Remenda, and he joins us on the Atlas Pizza guest hotline. Drew, I have one question for you to start this whole thing. <laughs> okay, buddy. How big you is it. your clothing budget? Just You don't have to talk numbers, but just give us no. an idea of how many suits and no. ties you get every year. <laughs> <laughs> not as big as yours my friend not <laughs> as big as yours as much as you're trying to play this off i always used to consider myself the best dressed guy in the league and then you came along and knocked me off my throne a long time ago so you're very kind yours. i walked by hey listen i know where you shop and, and i have to I, I i don't i don't think i could afford to walk in and get an estimate on a tie at that okay point, so. <laughs> tell them eric sent you they'll charge you double it'll be good <laughs> yeah hey uh thanks for joining me buddy i appreciate it um, hey, my pleasure pal my i guess my first question is you know why why should people in this city have hope that the sharks can beat the jets tonight you beat them twice already um yeah and the um james reimer has played spectacularly against them uh, pitched a shutout against them, and and the Sharks, as as the fact that they haven't got very many wins, and they're they're I think what, where are we now? 29th or or 30th in in the standings, maybe a little bit, maybe 28th. Um, they compete. They they work their tails off. They they do have some guys who can still play. Well, they got guys who are NHL guys, but they probably shouldn't all, all be on the same team. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So when you look at you look at the you look at they still got they got Eric Carlson who's looking for three points to now two points to get to 100 and he's motivated to do it and the guys are motivated to do that for him and help him. Um, they played well against the Jets. They match up for some reason pretty well. Now last time they played the Jets, um, Sharks were were excellent. First time um, I think the Jets had 47 shots and Reimer was Reimer was brilliant. So if for the Flames fans, I guess you would look at it and say, well, they beat him twice already. They kind of seem to have their number. The Jets have been um, inconsistent as far as their um, fire or intensity level. I thought the game against against the Flames, everybody was talking, this is a game seven, this is a game seven, but they didn't come out with any fire. Mm-hmm. So I, I look at I look at this game and you know the Sharks. It's funny how how things go late in the season when you're not when you're not a very good team. You all of a sudden start playing. I'm not say looser, but you start playing a little bit more free. And you're also got a little bit of motivation because a lot of these guys are auditioning for a job next year. So I guess I'll say that James Reimer's number one, Eric Carlson's number two, and the fact that the uh, the Sharks are a hardworking, dedicated team that they will, will play right till the end is number three. And are we going to see Reimer tonight? Yep. Yeah, yeah James is okay. in tonight. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Okay, we're talking to uh, Drew Romenda. He's the uh, TV color analyst in San Jose. And uh, – I, I'm so fascinated by the season Eric Carlson's having, and, and I think a lot of people are because yeah. when you're this close to 100 points, it's obviously significant. Yet I still hear a lot of people who say that uh, they would not vote for him for the Norris because that's for the best all-round defenseman, and that includes defense. And Carlson's minus, what, 15, 16, 17, something like that right now. Yeah, it Make the case to me for why he should or shouldn't be uh, the front runner for the Norris. 
Well, I'll say it. I'll say it this way: when you look at what we talk about with the Norris Trophy, we always say, "Yep, it's supposed to be best overall defenseman." But very rarely have we done that when you're when you're giving the, the award. We're always giving it to the guy, the defenseman who has the most points. Now, sure. being minus what he have, minus fifteen or whatever he is on this on this team, actually, when you look at the way this team has given up goals, that's not that bad. He does mm-hmm. have a case of the giveaways, which bothers me, but. If you look at all his points, or the majority of his points, they're all five on five because the power plays never hasn't been very good this year. It's one of the lowest power rated power plays in the league. And the fact that he's playing on a team that doesn't win many games, yet you're mentioning him in the same category of a hundred point uh, defenseman, Bobby Orr, Paul Coffey, Dennis Potvin, Al McGinnis, Brian Leach, you're talking about those five guys, and then Eric gets to that. I think it's pretty hard to say, well, he wasn't the best defenseman or at least the best offensive defenseman in the league. And really, is there anybody else in the National Hockey League right now that that is the other defenseman that you would say he's heads and tails way above way Eric, the way Eric's played this year? Yeah. And I'm trying to think, like, McCarr's been hurt. McAvoy's great. He's wonderful. But he's, he hasn't been that lights-out defenseman offensively. Um, and I'm trying to look. I'm looking across the league, and I'm thinking – I think Eric's the guy. I understand yeah. what he's saying, though. I, I really do, because there are times defensively where you go, come on, E. But other than that, he's, he's, he's got 98 points on a team that's not making the playoffs and a team that's power play is not very good, and he's, you're mentioning him in the same breath as Al McGinnis. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah. Touche. Uh, there are a lot of good reasons. I mean, I saw one of his egregious giveaways the other night. And uh, and that fuels the argument that you know you know against the the last game against Edmonton yeah 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 and you see those and hey it comes with being creative I guess but yeah sorry go ahead well yeah that's I was going to say talking to Brett Hedekin who who's also a color analyst on TV and radio with with me we switch back and forth and Hedekin was Stanley Cup winner thousand games I asked him about it he goes I think it's because he processes the game so fast he thinks that other guys do as well. He said sometimes he's you know he looks well before he even gets to the puck. It was like the, the giveaway after uh, against Colorado in, in overtime where McKinnon scored. He, he turns, he looks to his right, and and then he slides back to his left and throws it back to his left. I think he was trying to signal. This is what Brett says. Brett says I think he was trying to signal like, hey, I'm coming back this way, so you got to move that way. I think it was Logan Couture, and the other guys just don't process as fast as he does. I said, I think you're being generous, but, but you know, <laughs> I'll listen to the guys play a thousand games from the league. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we're talking to Drew Romanda. He's with the uh, San Jose Sharks uh, TV uh, crew. And I, I want to talk a little bit more about the Sharks in a second, but for our listeners here in Calgary, can, can you just share your view of Calgary from where you sit? You know, I'm always interested to talk to people outside of Calgary to see what their perception of the team is at any given time. Well, you and I talked in the summer a couple of times, and I was thrilled with what Brad Treleving had done. I thought that after mm-hmm. putting a really tough situation, he went and got a guy who had 115 points last year on the left wing and set records. And Mackenzie Weger, I love as a defenseman. I looked at the goaltending, I looked at the defense, and I thought that is a good hockey team. They're tough to play against, and, and I love the way they're deep plays because they play heavy. And then you got Kadri, and I'm thinking, oh, there they are. There's a team that I thought for sure was in the challenge for first place in the division and mm-hmm. maybe in the conference. But the one thing that is that I've seen is, and I watch 
like all the games. So, by the way, can we just say how great Rick Ball is as a as a broadcaster? Like <laughs> yes, too. Absolutely yeah. outstanding. He he really is. Like Calgary fans are lucky to have the guy. I know he's a Calgary broadcaster, but when he's broadcasting the game, I don't know he's a Calgary broadcaster. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Well he's, put. He's, he's that good. But any but anyway, um, they just the whole thing when you look at teams um, away from the puck. Last year, I watched him, and Daryl talked about it last year. I did a one playoff game against Dallas, and Daryl talked about this last year, which was checking. Checking leads to puck possession. Puck possession leads to scoring chances. I don't think they have been as good or as hard to play against off the puck as I watched Colorado last, last week, Edmonton last week. Edmonton is better off the puck you know, when they have to reload, come back in the neutral zone, track back. They get after the puck. Uh, Minnesota um, and Dallas, the way that they all play off the puck, and you, you can look at Boston and Tampa, of course, as, as well, and, and Carolina. It's all about checking. The neutral zone is the most important zone in the league, in, in the game. If you, if you can track back in the neutral zone and shrink the ice, let your D stand up, put the puck carrier in jail kind of because you've got nowhere to go, back pressure, front pressure, you're going to turn pucks over, you're going to shorten the rink, and you're going to let your offense get kicking. I don't think they have been as good as Daryl wants them to be away from the puck. What do you think? Am I am I close there? Or? Yeah, no, I I I think uh, I think finishing has been the big problem here this year at times, and then yeah. the other t- at other times, of course, the goaltending has really struggled. But uh, well, yeah, you know the, yeah. the goaltenders have taken right. a, yeah, they've taken a beating here. But I think a lot of it has to do with just breakdowns, constant breakdowns all season long. It's not just on the goaltenders; they're not god awful ugly goals. Although we've seen our share of those, it's just it's just god awful ugly chances that few goalies in the league would be able to stop and they're the ones who tear, they bear the brunt of it so it, it's kind of a it's kind of a number of things but the the, the four check that Daryl Sutter's kind of has been his calling card and this team's calling card has not been as effective as it has in the past nope. to your point for sure yeah, um I agree with you who's Tommy Novak I'm throwing that at you because they play Nashville tonight Tommy Novak's been the leading scorer of the, of the Nashville Predators since Christmas. 41 points in 48 games. He's a call-up from Milwaukee. He's a third-round draft pick. He's an undersized centerman. And I'm trying to figure out if anyone knows anything about him. I'll put you in the list of people who don't have a clue. <laughs> he, what was he? he was like an 89th or 88th overall or something like that. Something like that. Like, yeah, he's, he's, he's down the list. But American kid, I know that. I know he's an American. There you kid. go. He's from St. Paul. Um, he's not. He's not that. What is he? But six feet. He's not that. Like, he's, I think six know, one one seventy nine. Yeah, I can't call anybody undersized in my in my <laughs> thing. But you know, but you, you got me. I mean, you got me on 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 what they're doing. But this that's the incredible thing about Nashville is that they have always been able to develop and develop and develop. They, their Milwaukee Admirals team is outstanding. But this that kid bounced around, though. Like, he was in Milwaukee for a couple of years. Didn't he go to the E for, like, a, a few games and then back to Chicago? And then that's that's the last I heard of him was when Chicago then went back to Milwaukee. So I know he's bounced around a bit, but that, you have to be able to develop. That's what the Sharks are trying to do right now. Like, the Sharks are trying to – tried to be able to develop guys. One thing Mike Greer came in and told told ownership, said, listen, when he, when they were interviewing for a new general manager, he said, you guys don't have anything down on the pipeline. 
you got we got to we got to build up our pipeline. You got to build up your your, your team. You need the Sharks to have one guy in the organization that, from the 2018, 2019, or 2020 draft, and that's Ozzy Weisblatt. So you have to you have to be able to develop guys. You have to be able to to build up that group. And and David Poyle in has always done it in, in Milwaukee. Always done a really good job. I think on average they used to be on average that so they'd spend over 100 games in the AHL before they even got a thought to be called up in the into the league. Yeah, it's it begs the question that I wanted to ask you is how long until the Sharks are a playoff team? Like it, it's going to take a, lo- a long time, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it really is. I mean, when you look at it, it's right now they're just trying to figure out kind of what they got, and they're hoping that the next two drafts they get three or four guys that will be NHL hockey players. Um, there's a couple right now that you like. Um, you know, talk about undersized in in uh, Thomas Bordalo and uh, William Eklund. Not very big, but they're um, they're they they do have some skill level. I think Mike Greer has done some really good things um, with that Timo Meyer trade that we're going to see when you get uh, Mike Madulin, um, who's playing. He's a big defenseman from Russia, but he's now in 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 San Jose. They're hoping that works out for them. They, mm-hmm. they need to get some more. They need they, Eric. They need more depth. They need more NHL players, and and that's what they're working for. But it's I do like Mike Greer a lot. I think he's smart. David Quinn's a wonderful coach to be around and listen to. They they've played stayed. Really positive. Every year it's been this tough. There's been zero drama. The guys like each other and they like playing with each other. Um, so the attitude is good. The patience level from our owner is fantastic. Hasso understands where, where they're trying to go. But I, I wish I could give you a date, but I, I don't know. It's going to be a while. They're going to they're going to have to rework at it. But I, I think they're prepared for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, as long as you commit to it and, uh, and you don't waver, then yeah. – We've seen many, many examples of how that can be very, very uh, fortuitous for an organization down the road. Um, can you go back to Eric Carlson? What Can you just yeah. explain to people the rationale behind not trading him at the trade deadline and, and just go over his contract situation right now? Well, I, I asked I asked uh, Tommy Holy, who's our assistant general manager, about uh, who did you guys talk to? And Tomas uh, was great. He said, uh, we talked to a lot of people about a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> now, <laughs> with, with Eric, the, the big drawback with Eric is his, his, his contract. His mm-hmm. contract is large, to say the least. He's one of the highest mm-hmm. paid guys in the National Hockey League, and his cap hit is tremendous. Now, if, we, if you look at his contract for 2023, he's got one, two, three, four more years left at $11.5 million annual salary. And the cap hit is the same thing, 11.5 for the next uh, one, two, three, four years after this year. Mm -hmm. So that's obviously the biggest drawback. So how much money – so this year, Eric Carlson is – our owner really likes him. Hasso Plattner really likes Eric. Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't you? Because he's he's a tremendous individual. Um, His year this year has been great. And so if you're Mike Gurr first year, you phone up Mr. Plattner and say, hey, uh, boss, I got this deal. We're going to trade Eric. We're not going to get much back as far as anybody that's going to come into our lineup right away, and we're going to keep uh, 25 million of that contract. How's that phone call going to go? Yeah, good luck with right? that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good luck with that one. So um, they, so as Tom Olis told me, you know, we talked to a lot of people about a lot of people. The biggest thing was the contract, from what I understand, and I could be talking out of my, you know what, that it was 
money held back. And the Sharks don't want to hold that much money back. You're getting Eric Carlson, you're getting 100-point defensemen, you're going to have to pay for him. The interesting thing about this year, though, to Eric this year, the way he has been, the way he has played, the way his, his personality has finally started to come back, he went through a couple of really tough years. Mostly injuries were just bringing him down, and it was tough on him. When David Quinn got the job, he he went to Eric, was one of the first guys he went to talk to. And he said, there's two things I want to do. One, make the playoffs, obviously. Number two, I want to get you back to Norris Trophy level. You're only 32 years old. you still got a lot of game. You're feeling healthy. I am going to give you all the responsibility. You're my biggest guy. I'm going to pay you. You're paid as the biggest guy. I'm going to give you the ice time as the biggest guy. You're going to have a lot of responsibility. But with that responsibility, I'm going to hold you accountable. And he's really done a nice job of holding Eric accountable. Eric's brilliant as far as how he thinks the game. But with a lot of brilliant players, you gotta you got to f- form a partnership about, okay, this is how we're going to do this. And he wanted Eric to be a leader. He wanted Eric to be upbeat and positive. He wanted Eric to help the other guys. And he's done all those things. So if they weren't able to trade Eric in the, in the offseason, um, I don't think it would break their hearts the way that they've been playing. I know it's like it's a lot of money, but if you're committed to the rebuild and the way that Eric's played and the way he has been, it, it wouldn't be something that they – you know, would, would make or break next year. They're looking to try to build, and as I said, get three or four guys in these next couple of drafts that will be NHLers. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. And a lot can be taught and a lot can be learned from a guy like Eric Carlson uh, when you're building a franchise. There's a, that's a hell of a role model for, uh, for youngsters to look at and yeah. follow and talk to. And like you said, he's a pretty affable guy. And I, plus also – Someone's got to sell tickets, right? I know that uh, that's a great hockey market. Yeah. I, I think it's one of the best in the league. They have stuck through that with that team uh, over so many great years. And uh, you still need someone, you know, that's attractive to come to the rink and see. Couture is still very popular, I'm sure, and people love him. But uh, yeah. Carlson's got to be the – he's your meal ticket in terms of selling the odd ticket these days. And how are the crowds these days? They, they can't be like they used to be. No, it's not like it used to be when they packed it and, you know, it was a lot, one of the loudest builders in the league. There was, it, it depends on the game. depends when the game is. It depends on the, on, the, mm-hmm. on the opponent. It hasn't been wonderful, but we've still, we've still got that base that's been pretty strong. Um, they're, they're, they're getting creative with their ticket selling. They're going to do some renovations at the rink and, and build up a new penthouse area. There's a few things. We had a fan fest the other night. They had good showing in the fans coming out, and um, they re- revealed some plans. Um, they're doing what they can, Eric, man. They're doing what they can. They're trying to really be smart and, and creative and trying to hit different markets. Um, so yeah. it's been, it's been survivable. How about yeah. that? Absolutely. Some, Absolutely. Some days better than others. Yeah, exactly. Last question for Drew Romenda, uh, color analyst, TV color analyst with the San Jose Sharks, uh, Harvey or Henry Thrun, uh, played one game. Yeah. He's got two assists. How exciting is this young guy in terms of selling tickets as well? I cannot believe that this kid's playing his first few games in the National Hockey League. He is so composed and so relaxed. Um, Harvard grad. Um, he he played for Harvard this year. Um, he actually he was he was recruited by David Quinn when he was 14. And David was at BU. Um, that didn't obviously turn out. He he went to Harvard instead. Not bad. Uh, you can tell he's a Harvard guy, very bright, but his calm with the puck is mind-boggling to me because you know, you've seen like i have you've seen a lot of young kids come in and they have a good couple of games and then you know the, it starts to get to him his first game was against vegas then he was two against colorado then one against edmonton <laughs> hey welcome mm-hmm. to the national hockey league right mm-hmm. but he's looked 
Rockies look for the most part really good. Um, very, very calming influence. He, he looks like a veteran. Uh, and he passes the puck. I love how he passes the puck. He's like Carlson as far as before he can get to the puck. He's, he's put his head on a swivel about two or three times to find out where everybody is. He's got a little snap to his pass, which which is uh, kind of reminds me of Brent Burns, who could really fire the puck across the ice. So he's looked he's looked great, and I think that's one of those guys that you know we're talking about trying to build the club up. That's one of the guys that that they're focusing around because Mark Edward Blass is getting older and and you're going to need somebody else to come in and play you know a top deep 4D role mm-hmm. yeah he's a he's an exciting prospect for sure that's that's great yeah okay Drew I appreciate your time my friend good luck uh, the rest of the way two more games uh, well I'm assuming is it two more games for just San, San Jose just the two the Calgary and yeah. tonight you know, we go we go to Edmonton. We tonight uh, Calgary and Edmonton on the thirteenth. Are you what are you wearing tomorrow? Three piece again? I haven't. Uh, yeah, I'll wear a three piece. That's kind of my thing. I'll, I'll definitely wear a three piece. <laughs> and uh, and I'll send you. I'm gonna send you a little a gift certificate for Supreme so that you can, uh, you know, just bolster that that uh, lineup of yours, that that world class lineup. I'll have a little something for you when you arrive here. <laughs> All right, buddy. <laughs> Always good to talk to you. Always good to see what you're wearing, and uh, appreciate your time, man. Thank you. Thanks, pal. All right, talk okay. to you later. Bye. Okay, we'll see you Wednesday. Okay, there he is, Drew Remenda, uh, one of my favorite people around the National Hockey League, and I mean it when I say he's one of the best-dressed guys in the National Hockey League. Okay, that's it for another Eric Francis show. Thank you so much for listening. Hope you had a great Easter weekend, and I uh, hope you'll tune in again next Monday from noon to 1 o'clock, where, again, the focus will be on storytellers. We're, we've kind of been focusing more on the Flames of late for obvious reasons. They are the talk of the town. And I think they probably will be next Monday and the Monday after that. But after that, it's all about stories. So make sure you stay tuned and tune in and listen to the podcast as well every single week. The Eric Francis Show is brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta. The Alberta horse racing and breeding industry has a $312 million positive impact in Alberta annually. Visit thehorses.com, 18 plus. Please play responsibly.